all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning and thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress and today we're talking about moving from dependence to independence. So one goal that all parents should have is that their children become happy, healthy, and independent as adults, right? So they grow, they are very dependent on you as an infant and then a young child, and then they move on into their latter school years as they pull apart and pull away from you, and then gradually as they complete their, quote, training, they move out, right? They become independent and and healthy and happy and self-sufficient. Well, we all know that doesn't always happen, and certainly not in that progression. Some are more ready and move out much more quickly than others. Some maybe never do. So what do you think happens to derail the natural process that happens in the animal kingdom and certainly is supposed to happen in in the human kingdom, right? Um, Baby birds are pushed out of the nest and uh, cubs are weaned and learn to hunt. And um, so what happens? Why do you think that there are many times when as individuals grow and mature that they just don't seem ready and can't stand on their own two feet. What derails the process? Um, I want to hear what your thoughts are. You can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. So um, one, one of the thoughts, obviously, as children reach adolescence and move toward adulthood, they become less reliant on their Parents, They gain greater independence, like I said, especially in their teens and all aspects of life. The process for separation um, prepares children for the demands of adulthood. But as the progression toward adulthood um, doesn't happen, um, let's talk about what happens and perhaps how you as parents can... Make sure that you are rearing an independent individual who can be one who can stand on their own. Um, if you if you felt like you were not prepared by your parents, what do you think happened, and and why do you think that that you were sort of trapped in this 
area of dependence. Or you as a parent, if you had difficulty moving your child out of your household, what do you think happened? Do you think it's something that perhaps you should have done differently? Or do you think that it was something intrinsic in that child? Do you think some kids are more likely to move forward to this independence than, um, than others? Um, before we go forward, and I do want to talk today about what you can do as a parent of young children or a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle, um, if you are participating in the raising of a child, what you can do to help raise that independent individual. But before we go any further, um, I want to make sure that you all know that there are some times that Individuals need are 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 valued as living as an adult with their parents. It's something that is either mutually beneficial or necessary for the care of aging parents. So know that I'm not talking about all individuals who are um, who are living in the home with their parents are are individuals who haven't been able to figure out how to gain independence. Um, one can be very independent and st- still live, live in the same household with their parents. Um, but as we go back, um, what do you think might be some of the reasons that one doesn't move forward. I'll tell you, um, we had a a Facebook comment that part of this may be that parents are less willing to let their children be the least bit uncomfortable to go without. So instead of kids gradually gaining more independence, they often don't have to provide a single thing for themselves prior to college graduation. So up to and including tuition clothing, luxury items, technology, really nice cars, and more. So um, interesting comment. What do you think about that comment? You can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. Um, well, let's go on to our first caller. We have an early caller. Is it uh, Mick in Canton? No, this is Mike in Canton. Mike. Okay. Hi. I, Good morning. I, I listen to y'all all the time. Thank you. But what I'm, what, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm saying is that if you raise your kids right, then they're going to do right. But then if they decide to do wrong, it's the child's fault. But, I mean, as long as you parenting, do what you're supposed to do, and then you don't have to worry about all this other crap that's going to come along afterward. Kids will be kids, you know, but then they want to think that they're grown, and then they want to do grown, grown folk stuff. But it's on the child, you know, if you ask me. It's on the child after they got how old? How old do you think? Mike. Well, I mean, you know, when you know right from wrong, mm-hmm. when you know right from wrong, and then the child knows right from wrong, anything that the child does after they know right from wrong is on them. If you teach them right from wrong while they're coming up, you know, then everything else is okay. 
Well, I hear you. So you feel like that if you do a good job as a parent, you're a good model, you teach them the right from wrong, and if they grow up to be decide someone... To deviate. Huh? I'm if sorry? If they decide to deviate. If they decide to deviate, then, then you did the best you could. And um, you're right. I think as parents, we do the very best we can. We try to be a good model. You make sure that they feel loved and nurtured. And and then if they go off the rails and you can really look at yourself and say, I did the very best that I could, then I think you're right, um, Mike. I, I want us to talk a little bit about um, if there is something, perhaps there might be a time when like that comment on Facebook, are we, are some parents taking care of too much? Are they giving their children too much and not making them work hard enough for for what they get? Am I still speaking with you? You are. Okay. When I was growing up, I took a brick and I turned it sideways and uh-huh. made a road. I tied a string on that brick and pulled it up that road. This was all under a house. Now, when my kids was growing up, they had computers, all this old crap and everything. <laughs> and then I say, why are y'all in this house? Why aren't you going to play? And they tell me, we ain't got nothing to do. So I went and got me a switch and run them out of the house. You're going to find something to do. <laughs> I didn't have nothing to do when I was growing up. Except you created it, it sounds like. You you made your own toys and you uh, made your own entertainment. And, um, but now that you have all of this here, why aren't you doing whatever it is to be done? Yeah. I, I hear you. And I, I think our listeners probably are thinking uh, there are times when uh, they would love to be able to get their kids out of the house to do more. Now, you you took a very active method. Um, I'm not so much saying absolutely everybody should get that switch out and switch them <laughs> out of the house. But I will say that that there are times when parents don't take the charge and that they need to, that they allow the child to dictate what's going on instead of being the captain of the ship or the the boss of the house. And and so many times that's a big problem. Ma'am, I don't know how old you are. I'm old. But But when I grew up, yeah. This is how it was when I grew up. Okay, and then I see the kids under me having kids. They were not training the kids. And then I see the kids under them, and they have no kind of training. That's why right here in Mississippi, the way that the kids are nowadays, because they have no values, no nothing. 
Yeah. Well, and that's uh, sad. Luckily, all of our kids are not like that, Mike. Um, But I think you're right. If you don't have a model and no one shows you what the right way to be is, if there is no one out there helping you know what's right and wrong and being the proper model and teaching you to take responsibility, then it won't happen. So... Thanks for your call. We appreciate you. Um, so today we're talking about raising an individual to go from dependent to independent. How do you do that? What's going on? Are we having more trouble than we used to? I want you to give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. I want to hear from you. This is Relatively Speaking. We'll be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and I appreciate you listening today. We're talking about moving from dependence to independence. How do you make sure your child ends up that way? What can you do to help out? Um, We've we've had a couple of comments that perhaps we're um, not letting our kids be uncomfortable. Uh, Could it be that, that they feel entitled and that everything's been handed to them and so they're not moving that way? Is that part of the problem? Um, Is it that if there's not that dream job there, then they won't take the job unless it seems to be the perfect issue? Um, Are the days gone of if you can't afford it, don't buy it? Um, It's really not too late to teach our adult children the values of delayed gratification and working for things they desire, but you really need to start Early, So let's go back to the phones. We've had some great comments already. We have Trish on the road. Good morning, Trish. Thanks for calling in. Good morning. You're welcome. So you have a question? No, I have a comment. Oh. I think the best way to teach children to make decisions and be responsible is to let them do whatever they want to when they're young. If it's not immoral, illegal, or too dangerous. And I could afford it. That was what I told them. I had to be able to afford it. Uh Once they were teenagers, they still had to do that. Immoral, illegal, or too dangerous, but they had to afford it. Ah. And, I mean, it helps them learn to fail when they're little, and you can help them pick up the pieces, and they can learn consequence for every decision. Very interesting way to put it, Trish. I have an immoral, illegal, or too dangerous. dangerous. So you let them. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, you know, we've we've before in this show talked about the helicopter parent and how mm. how damaging that is or the parent. I who, know someone she's destroyed her uh, her child's future by doing that. Yeah. Because what happens? He can't ever be a mature adult and make proper decisions. <laughs> right. Because what happens is anxiety is in injected in every move and so that child is not able to move forward with knowing how to feel safe and comfortable making their own decision so um that's a it, it really is very very important to allow children to to step out to make decisions on their own and to fail. It really is okay to fail at something and to learn to be resilient, to pick the pieces back up. But if every time a child has um, an issue where something maybe sad or bad might happen to them, unless mama props them up or daddy props them up, um, and they are never allowed to fail, then it is it is hard to become an adult and then figure out that life is not all laid out before you and life is not perfect because it is not. So a child needs to know that early on, not too early. You want your child to feel safe, nurtured, um, and loved, right? And those are very important. But what you lay before, Trish, is having an individual who learns how to be resilient and take care of themselves, right? Right, exactly. It's so important. Yeah. The other thing that you said is as they got older, they had to be able to afford it. So apparently you had them learn how to earn their own money, which is... Exactly. I helped them buy the first lawnmower. And after that, you know, (laughs) they had to buy everything, you know, followed. Yeah. Great lesson in life, Trish. Thanks. Thanks so much for your call. Thanks for listening. And I, I... I think that there are probably many of you out there who have some thoughts like that. I think it's important for us to hear from you. Let's go on to Terrell in Alabama. Terrell? Good, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for calling in. Um, I, I, want, I want to um, just elaborate on your first caller and your second caller. Okay. Uh, your, first, your first caller, um, he's... he's majority correct in, in what he says about what he did when he was a, a youngster in order to be able to entertain himself. Right. Um, because the world that he lived in is, is a world that's totally refined to, to a world today. Um, his children uh, would never be able to fathom grabbing a brick and, and pulling it. And so I, I say to, to him, which I would say that, his generation was a generation where they were taught to work. Yeah. They, they, they had to work because things was not given to them. The current generation, which I fought our federal government for, we hamper people so they don't have to work. And when you create an entitlement for a man not to work, you're creating an environment for a young men not to be mean. And there, there's no family without a man being a worker and a provider and a protector to his home. Wow. So 
this culture that has been created has not only been created because of people, it's been created because of the government. Yeah. It, it, it's in an entitlement. And we have children today who really believe that if they don't own a pair of Michael Jordans, they are not fashionable. Yeah. We have parents today who really believe that my baby has to have one to two to three pair of Jordan so he can be recognized for his, his clothing and what he wears. So it's a culture of misguiding things that that I can say my generation, that I'm in my 40s, mm-hmm. have made a true mistake of thinking, treating, teaching our children that they are entitled to have things without burning them. Terrell. Wow. You are um, you actually are reflecting words that have been shown through research by a Nobel Prize winning um, Nobel laureate, uh, James Heckman. He has said that the worst thing you can do is give handouts without giving a hand up. So teaching people how to take care of themselves um, by giving them money for training um, or paying for training is far better than giving individuals money to live on. And he said that he shown he has shown that in other all around the world, um, the world, the other countries work better when they have people work for their living. And you're absolutely right, uh, Terrell. I appreciate you calling in. Um, research shows that if anybody wants to look up James Heckman on the internet, I would encourage you to read about his work. It's really excellent work that he won a Nobel Prize for. Um, Terrell, thanks so much for that call. It's it's good hearing from you, and thanks for listening from Alabama. Well, let's stay on the phones. Uh, we have Ben, who's been holding in Jackson. Good morning, Ben. Uh, good morning. So you have some... I'm not sure what your comment is about. It says well, the a, difference. Go ahead. I have a question. You know, sure. you guys talk about the helicopter. I have two small boys, uh-huh. and um, I'm a self-employed, real go-getter type guy, and I'm kind of starting to feel like I'm riding this five-year-old and nine-year-old pretty hard. And I guess I'm, I'm asking the difference between helicopter parent that I've heard you say before and then also just trying to mold them into not being vagrants later in life. You know, just right. am I staying on them too hard? Because sometimes I feel like the bad guy all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm just I'm wondering if, if the age I need to lay off some. I mean, I, I feel like I let them be kids, but I, I really am pretty strict with, you know, the things that we do because we work hard at, at, for what, what we have. And so I guess I'm just... Yeah, starting to be a little concerned and being too tough. But is that the same reference as that helicopter parent you talked yeah. about? And and I'll listen off air. You know. So before you hang up, Ben, I want to ask you a question. Tell me, uh, give me an example of where you think maybe you should lay off or not. Uh, do you have? Are you? Do you have the five year old doing chores? And if so, what are they? Tell me a you little know, not, bit about that. Not really chores for the five year old. Just basic. The picking up, don't mm-hmm. be a slot, you know, mm-hmm. 
you know, don't leave this around. Let's put our shoes. You know, I'm trying to give them some basic yeah. routine activities. And, you know, they're kids. Yeah. They, you have to tell them. And, and, and I know that's part of telling them. But I guess maybe out in public or maybe I'm being too strict if they're at the restaurant to let them cut loose a little bit more. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. I, yeah. I'm finding it hard to the situation. I feel like we're in the park. Yeah, I let them do whatever the heck they want. Sure. It's dangerous sometimes almost. Yeah. But. I just, I'm feeling like the bad guy all the time, but I also want to make sure it's counting for something. That, yeah. You know, I hear you. Okay. Thank you for elaborating yeah, on that. And I hope you'll hang up and listen because yeah, I, sure. I do want to address what you're asking. In, in our society now, uh, one thing that I've noticed, um, all about with young parents is so many times they are so afraid of stifling their child and so afraid of not allowing them to be kids that they forget how important it is to let them recognize um, what appropriate manners are, what appropriate behavior in front of other adults uh, is. And so uh, many times children go out and they go out to eat. You gave that example. They go out to eat and they uh, are disruptive to everybody in the restaurant and everybody is disturbed. Now, that one is not appropriate behavior. Two is unfair to others in the restaurant. And and three not teaching the children how to try to pull it together um, and what's appropriate behavior and where. Uh, that's one one issue. So I think it's very important um, to, before you go into a restaurant, remind the children what kind of behavior you expect. You stay in your seat. You're polite. You don't throw things. You try to eat your food as neatly as you can. Um, the other thing you mentioned, chores, are not really chores, but just picking up after yourself. A lesson that Every adult needs to learn to do, um, unless you're going to have a full-time servant all the time. Um, and, and often, mothers and fathers allow themselves to be those servants. I would heartily discourage that, because that's not real life either. So teaching a child proper behavior starts very early on. You can teach your 18-month-old to pick up their toys. I mean, every parent who's ever had their child in child care knows the cleanup song. Um, and so you can make it fun. You don't have to yell at your child. Now, I would encourage parents out there, if you're trying to inject discipline, to make sure that you do it correctly. My husband makes fun of me about that this, but it's the truth. Don't say a child is messy. Say you are being messy. There's a difference. Don't say you're a slob. Say that you're being messy and you need to pick up your toys. Let me help you pick these toys up. You can start with a two-year-old by helping them. And then by four or five, they should be able to do that chore all by themselves, right? So just make sure that you think about these things from a developmentally appropriate um, 
way. So if you have a two-year-old, you can let it be a fun pickup game. A five-year-old by then ought to know if you say pick the toys up and um, you stay firm with it if they can. But that's all part of learning how to, one, follow rules, um, two, do things for yourselves, and then eventually, believe it or not, something as simple as picking up toys or listening to direction from parent is all part of growing up and becoming an independent adult. So, um, Jay, do we need to go to our next break? Um, Okay, we'll go to our next break right now. We're talking about dependence to independence. Paul, don't go away. I know you've been holding for a while. When we get back, we'll take your call. Um, We want to hear from everybody. Please give us a call if you want to join in at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and I appreciate you all for listening. We're talking about moving your child from a dependent status to an independent status as they move into adulthood. We've had some great callers about why sometimes it doesn't happen, sometimes it happens well, and what you can do to help out. We're going to jump right back to the phones, um, but there's some open lines, and I'd love to hear from y'all. You can call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. So we're going to Paul in Biloxi. Paul, you've been so patient. Thank you. Hi. Hi. Hey, uh, thanks, Dr. Susan, for taking my call. I listened to your show quite a bit. And um, parenting hits really close to home, and any topic on it kind of gets me thinking pretty hard about, you know, my tactics and approach as a parent. But uh, I want to make a comment on my experience and then also leave you a question. Okay. Okay. So um, a good friend of mine, we've been, 20, we've been friends for 25 years now. Um, we've lived our lives very much in parallel. And I was not challenged as a teenager um, to work for, you know, things that, that I needed uh, or wanted. And, and he was, and mm-hmm. his mother, you know, and encouraged him to work and, and pay for his cell phone and his car. And he did that all through high school, all through college. And I did it. I had a lot of things provided for me. And I'm very thankful for that. But I saw a definite difference. And when we hit the real world, I saw how he was able to hit the ground running. And, you know, I didn't really do the same. I kind of struggled for a few years and it took me a while to get my footing. And I think a lot of that has to do with that, um, that encouragement to, uh, to, to be disciplined and uh, diligent and, 
and providing for yourself at a younger age. So that was my comment, but I wanted to leave a question. Um, I have a 10 year old son and I think a lot, I spend a lot of time thinking about, you know, how to give him the best chance at having a good life, happy and content and successful and whatnot. And, uh, you know, I tend to project my experiences and my struggles with life onto him, and, and I've noticed that he doesn't have those same challenges that I had at his age. So I think the question really is, you know, how do I take myself and my experiences out of the equation, mm. um, and how do, I, how do I keep that, from, how do I learn from what I've experienced, yeah. but also treat him with, um, you know, an independent an independent lens and, and try to help him, you know, grow on his own and at his pace and with his experiences rather than projecting, you know, mine and, and the struggles I had and yeah. what I deal with even to today. Wow, Paul, um, you have brought something wonderful up and you've taken step one already is that you've recognized that you were doing some projecting and perhaps being allowing some of your your worries or your concerns or your anxieties um, project into what maybe your son um, is thinking or doing. And you, you said you feel like he's maybe a little bit different so than you were. And right. so maybe you already are doing things a little bit differently differently than your parents did um, in that I hear that you are very grateful that your parents were were kind enough to to be supportive and all but you also pointed out something really important um, if you are if you're too entitled if you have too much handed to you and you don't have to work then then you don't you don't experience those struggles early on when you're able to have someone back you up and someone support you in in being able to deal with the disappointment or the fact that, gosh, it's taken me six months to earn enough money to buy this cell phone that I wanted or this bicycle that I wanted. Um, and so, but you're learning how hard it is to step through the work. So right. step one, I would highly encourage you to to remember that your son is not you. Don't do any of that vicarious in a positive or negative way living and just recognize him as his own little individual self and support him and figuring out how to make decisions and and working toward goals. Uh, you pointed out that it took you, it sounds like you worked through it, but, so, but being able to be firmly planted on the ground when you are out in the workforce is a lot better than struggling for two or three years until you get there, right? Right. So right. so I think your 10-year-old's going to be in fabulous shape because you're already thinking about how to move forward in that direction. Uh, yeah, Paul, he's, a, he's a wonderful kid. Yeah. I've got to give him all the credit. Yeah. <laughs> no. He's got, he's got a good mom behind him, too. Yeah, I was going to say, he can't get all the credit. Parents have a whole lot to do with it. So, yeah. Paul, thanks for your call. I appreciate you calling in. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. All right. Let's go on now to Donna. Donna in Natchez, uh, you want to talk about independence, too. Talk to us. Yes, ma'am. Hi. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. 
I, I always say that in order for you to produce an, an independent kid, you have to allow them to perform when they're little. Most times when kids are little, they want to be helpers. And oftentimes parents interfere with that because right. they're not going to do things the way we would normally do it. And I would often tell parents, well, how are they going to learn if we don't allow them to do things their way? And the more we promote that activity when they're little, as they get older, they'll want to do more. And then as they get older and they understand more, then we we can explain to them the importance of allowing them to participate in household activities, making sure they know how to clean their room and, you know, wash the dishes and take care of their clothing because they're not going to be with us always. And that's what we have to be teaching them along the way that you're going to be leaving the nest soon, so we have to prepare you for that time right now. Exactly. So when I'm not here or Dad's not here, you can still function on your own. Exactly, Donna. And and that is exactly what one should be doing. Um, one thing you mentioned is they may not do that chore as perfectly. But uh, so... One thing that's important to remember is if your six-year-old or your eight-year-old does makes their bed, for example, and the corners aren't perfectly tucked or the pillows aren't perfectly placed, don't correct them. Uh, It's very important for a child to feel some success. So job well done, right? Instead of going, well, you made your bed, but it's still a mess. Um, That is not reinforcing. And so after a while, if a child hears that they're never holding up to your standard, then they won't keep trying. They quit. That's right. They quit. And we don't want that. We have to, like you said, boost them up praise them for completing the task because that's all they essentially did they made the bed that's that's what you wanted them to do and that's what they did right the more we do that to our kids the more we build them up the more they're going to want to do and the more they will do right and before long they'll be more help to you than you expected so wonderful call donna thank you and i i want to just extend on that just one more minute um to say that the same thing goes for any chore if a child is working to for example after you clean your room you can go out and play if you go in their room and there is still a tiny toy out of place to to continue to badger the child about not seeing one thing is so not appropriate. So I would encourage parents, yes, you want them to get used to a job well done, but please don't ask for perfection every time. It will be so discouraging to the child. Same thing goes with adolescents. If they feel like they've never pleased you, then they'll stop trying to please you. So make sure you reinforce the behavior you want and and quit trying to have that absolutely perfect individual. They're not perfect. You're not perfect. And you were likely one of those who was imperfect growing up also. So Donna, thanks for giving me a chance to stand on my soapbox on that one a little bit. Okay. Well, let's go to um, James now in Mississippi. Um, James, you have some comments about maybe too much giving? Hello? Yes. 
Good morning. Yes. Um, no, I'm not worried about too much giving. In no. fact, we as a nation have given and given and given uh-huh. and continue to give. Right. It's, hello? I'm here. Yeah, keep going. You know, if any of your callers would look up the Marshall Plan, they would find out that we as a nation changed the world with that one plan. The Marshall for the Plan. For the better? Oh, yes, for the better. Yeah. I mean, what we did was simply this. Nations we had defeated in World War II, we gave them money to rebuild their whole countries. Right. So. Okay. Well, thank, thanks for your call, James. It, um, so I think that certainly being a giving group and a giving um, nation is is certainly important. Um, what we are talking about here, though, is as you're moving from dependence to independence, it's important not to just give handouts, but to give your children the skills to become a successful, independent adult who knows how to take care of themselves, who knows how to do basic chores for themselves, but also who knows how to deal with having to work for something so that um, when they get out in the workforce, they understand that you have to show up to work on time, right? You have to be there. You have to do a good job. You have to make sure that you you, you know how to answer to someone else, someone else's rules, someone else's um, job set before you're going to be able to be successful in the work workplace. So, all right, we are going to our final break. Um, when we get back, we, we have some open lines now. I'd love to hear from more of you. You can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 We're talking about um, how to make your children become independent, successful adults. Um, this is Relatively Speaking. I'm Susan Buttress, and we'll be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking, and I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. We're talking about moving into independence. 
The goal that all parents should have is that their children become happy, healthy, and independent. So what happens? Why doesn't it happen? We're going to go back to the phones. We've had a lot of excellent comments today. Uh, Brian and Biloxi's been patiently waiting. Brian, you have Hi. comments on kids in sports. Yeah, uh, thanks, thanks for having me on. Uh, yes. You know, I, I wanted to make a comment about an observation that I've had uh, uh, last few years. Uh, my son, uh, I've got two sons, and they've, they've started in uh, in uh, little league baseball, t-ball. Mm-hmm. And uh, in, in in my opinion, a, a four-year-old uh, going out and uh, making practices all uh, season long, going to all the games uh, and things like that. That's a that's an accomplishment that. Um, is uh, equivalent to uh, some sort of uh, endurance type mm-hmm. event, in my opinion, because uh, holding a four-year-old's attention for that long for, <laughs> for several months is uh, something. So uh, one, one of the, the things that has kind of been in the limelight in the past decade is uh, whether to give kids participation trophies or not. And, and I, I feel that, um, that you know having a four-year-old or a five-year-old uh, complete a journey that is a baseball season is, is worthy of something like a participation trophy uh, I know a lot of people don't just uh, don't agree with it and one of, one of the things that uh, that I brought up not too long ago is uh, even some of the adults that uh, complain about the participation trophies they go out and run in 5k's and while they don't win they get a medal at the end of it from <laughs> good point yeah you know I've I've heard that controversy Brian and and I think that um, that you're so right. I think a reward to, of course, by the time you're ten or twelve, everybody doesn't have to get a participation trophy. Sure. But the yeah. reinforcement for those little guys, just for getting out there and gals, just getting out there and and paying attention to the coach and trying to learn the rules is fine. It's called a positive reinforcement. It doesn't have to be an expensive one. Um, I don't care if people shift to medals. Kids might like medals as much as the trophies. I don't know which would be more expensive. But the value in team sports has been um, shown over and over. It teaches kids team building and it, um, and sharing and um, trying to help each other. So there, the, the benefit are all over the place. So if if it encourages a child to stay in a, a sport because they've worked at it, I say yeah. give them a reward. Yeah, you know, and I, and I feel that uh, that those uh, those lessons learned for completing a uh, program of some sort of length is, uh, is is a little bit more than just uh, you know the teamwork and things like that. It's it's actually teaching a goal oriented yeah. uh, type of behavior. So uh, it. If, if you want to, you want to lower, uh, you know, high school dropout rates, things like that. Getting your kids into a, uh, a program of completion that, uh, that, that some sort of endurance involved along with it, I think, kind of trains them to to continue on uh, yeah. even through adverse conditions. Great. Thank you so much for that call. I'm I'm with you 100. <laughs> percent Thank for you. Me on here. Thanks. Well, let's go on to Linda in Port Gibson. Linda, you have a quick comment. We have another caller waiting, too. Yes, I have a, a comment, and uh, I think that um, a child should be able to uh, be independent and um, I think that they should be allowed to 
to feel failure. Yep. Absolutely. Knowing how to experience failure is part of growing up. A child who always has everything laid out and never experiences failure is a child who is not ready for for adulthood. That's just the bottom line. So thank you for emphasizing that point, Linda. All right, we'll go to our final caller. We have Cynthia from Mobile, Alabama, with a question. Hi, Cynthia. Hi, how are you? Great. Thanks for calling. I've been listening to this show. I agree with everything I've heard about nurturing independence. I am going to get serious with my nine-and-a-half-year-old this summer (laughs) about money management. Good. And I'd like to know what you think is an appropriate allowance for a nine-and-a-half-year-old. For a nine-and-a-half-year-old. That's a really good question. So you want you want your nine-and-a-half-year-old to be able to earn enough money so that he can he or she, she can she, she can can um work toward a goal of something and see yeah, her money bill have now chores to complete right and complete her chores right i was thinking five dollars a week of course that would have been unheard of in my time <laughs> <laughs> i agree um i i was going to say back in the day it was a quarter right <laughs> but, <laughs> But then you could buy a a pop for five cents. And so things are so different now. I I think $5 would be a reasonable, you know, and I'll just inject, you've probably read this, but a a good thing to do is to teach them how to save some and if they want to spend some, fine, but to, to try to get them to learn how to save. So save half of that and spend half of that. So it may take a month to earn enough money to really buy something of significance. But but teaching a child the value of money, how to save, and at the same time how to work towards something is a wonderful lesson that you can teach. I would inc- if, encourage you if, to start that. If it takes her a month, I think to save for something she really wants, I think all the better. Uh-huh. Absolutely. So that they learn uh, delayed gratification, something Absolutely. that many of us don't get. But delayed gratification is a good thing, not a bad thing. You can't get everything that you want the minute that you want it. So that was Thank a good way so for <laughs> that was a good way for us to finish this show, Cynthia. Thanks for calling and good luck this summer. So thanks everybody for listening and and I hope that was helpful that we're going to have a whole bunch of independent, well-functioning adults. Today's show was engineered by our producer, Jay White, our call screeners, intern, Joseph Hall. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. I hope you'll join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking and that you'll stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now, coming up next on MPB Think Radio. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting.